Resuming debate. Resuming debate. Resuming debate. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Resuming Debate podcast. I'm your host, Member of Parliament, Garnet Jenis. We are recording and releasing this episode in the middle of what has been designated uh, the Global Week of Prayer for China. Uh, this was um, kind of responding to uh, what a number of popes have said uh, about the need to pray for China from, from their perspective. Uh, and uh, the, the, the inauguration of this week of prayer for China uh, has become an opportunity to, uh, for, for, for Christians in particular to highlight concerns about uh, the persecution of the Christian community in China. Uh, and, and this comes alongside, of course, lots of concerns about what's happening uh, inside the People's Republic of China, uh, the Uyghur genocide, uh, the the uh, attacks on fundamental freedoms in Hong Kong, uh, efforts by the Chinese government to project power beyond its borders, a persecution of Falun Gong practitioners. The list uh, the list goes on and on. But part of the suppression of religious freedom, uh, part of the attacks on uh, on on spaces where independent views exist and are expressed. Uh, includes attacks on the Christian community, uh, and this is uh, a week of advocacy as well as uh, as prayer around that situation. So uh, th this is a, an issue that uh, we're talking about from my office in various different uh, ways, and I'm very pleased that for this episode of the podcast, uh, we're joined by Pastor Bob Fu, who's going to share his his perspective. Uh, Bob, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Garnet, for having me. I should really commend you for your uh, solidarity, for your uh, bold stand with the persecuted for human rights, religious freedom, both domestically and globally, especially on China. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Well, thank, thank you so much for, for saying that. I appreciate it. So Bob, why don't you, you start off? I could, I could go through a bio here, but I think it's, um, it's so much better if you can share your your remarkable story of uh, involvement in political advocacy, as well as uh, being a pastor, and uh, your own kind of journey into into uh, both of those worlds. Yes, uh, I myself, of course, was born in China and uh, educated uh, most of the time in China, and uh, was one of the uh, Tiananmen Square students' leaders for uh, on behalf of my university thirty three years ago. Um, uh, pursuing for democracy and freedom um, before I became a Christian. So right after the Tiananmen massacre, uh, during the time of uh, Communist Party's revenge, uh, I became a follower of Christ um, because of uh, actually that tragedy with the help of uh, a group of American missionaries uh, in our college. And after that, um, I became a, um, a underground church leader in the house church moment, and then uh, moved to Beijing. Of course, uh, I started house church and Bible study groups among the university students, uh, and then uh, underground uh, Bible school uh, in Beijing. And uh, that was the time uh, when, um, humorously, it's God's humor. I was a, a full-time faculty. Uh, teaching English in the Chinese Communist Party school in mm. Beijing. So during the daytime, I was teaching English to the Communist Party leaders. In the evening and the weekend, I was just uh, like a full-time underground church pastor. Uh, 
ministering to the, uh, the hungry souls uh, in the university areas in Beijing. So that lasted three years. In 1993, my wife and I were both arrested, sent, uh, sent to imprisonment uh, for so-called illegal uh, religious activities uh, or illegal evangelizing. And uh, essentially by God's grace, um, after we uh, were released from prison um, with the imminent danger of rearrest, uh, God opened the door. Uh, we're able to escape uh, from China, uh, first to Hong Kong, and there waiting for the uh, uh, refugee status. Um, three days before Hong Kong was handed over to China, we were accepted as uh, refugees to the United States of America in 1997. Uh, so basically, that's my story. Uh, since that time, I have been uh, pretty much dedicated uh, most of my time in uh, advocating and advancing religious freedom and rule of law uh, in China based in the United States of America. Um, so I'm so thankful, again, for uh, your advocacy and standing from a government uh, policy perspective on behalf of the Canadian uh, people. Well, thank, thank you again, and, and thanks for sharing your, your background. It's an interesting story, and one of the things that's unique about it is I've met a lot of people who uh, start from a, um, a faith motivation around justice and human rights, and that leads them into uh, human rights advocacy. Your story is a little bit inverted from that because you started out as a political activist, and it was through that. Uh, you you um, developed a, a faith, so I wonder if you could maybe just share, like, what were your what were your initial motivations for getting politically involved before you became a Christian, and how did how did your kind of political journey change after you um, after you you uh, became active as a Christian and then a pastor? Yeah, that's a good question. I was. Um... Basically raised, uh, I mean, uh, in a very poor farmer's family, village, I mean, in a family, my mother was a beggar uh, with two uh, children with her ex-husband and begging food for uh, three years, uh, you know, during the great uh, starvation time uh, because of the Mall's ill uh, policy, um, millions, millions, I mean, uh, his, historians has recorded during that three years uh, great leap forward uh, the, because of the famine, uh, at least uh, some like uh, uh, 30 to 40 million people died. So my mother almost died uh, basically with two children uh, begging food until she begged uh, food uh, at uh, our village, met with my father. So I was born into that uh, family. Of course, from my childhood, I uh, have uh, not only eyewitness, but also experienced firsthand this uh, uh, social inequality, injustice, and uh, being bullied by those uh, uh, who are in the upper class uh, belonging to the Communist Party. And um, so kind of a sense of change was naturally planted in my heart. I was always uh, kind of looking how to change my own family, uh, then gradually, with more education is uh, to the society in general. That's why I was uh, kind of regarded as a radical uh, mm -hmm. uh, from high school to college years. Uh, of course, uh, the years I was in college from 1987 uh, was uh, the year 
when the Soviet Union, uh, remember under Mr. Gorbachev's, the uh, reform and openness uh, campaign. So I was uh, studying, as I mentioned, uh, uh, English literature. So most of my uh, foreign teachers are Christians. Hmm. So that, that was the time really both I, my mind was uh, more opened and uh, my really, I think, uh, spiritual uh, realm was, uh, was uh, instigated uh, during that time. But I did not become a Christian because I thought, um, I mean, until the afterward of the Tiananmen massacre, because I still deep in my heart was a kind of a, a humanist, uh, a kind of a communism, humanism, uh, humanist, uh, believing in ourselves, self uh, kind of a construction, mm -hmm. self effort. So I thought I could one day become the first freely and democratically elected prime minister for China to mm -hmm. save China. And um, uh, so that's why when the Tiananmen Square uh, massacre, I mean, students movement started, I was uh, really on the front line, disband over uh, official students union and established an independent students union, led our students to Tiananmen Square in Beijing and protest and occupy part of the square. That all has, of course, dramatically changed uh, after the uh, tanks uh, start ruling in, after you know, one of my fellow uh, comrades kind of crawling out of the Tiananmen Square, still with the blood on his shirt, barefooted and, and kneeling down in our uh, sports field and crying out said they did kill. So that was the time really, I think uh, in retrospect, uh, gave me uh, the time that for the first time I started doubting about um, uh, the how much uh, you know, a human being. I mean, you you can can uh, you change yourself, can change others with your you know if you yourself is not transformed, and especially if your heart is still like uh, in darkness. I mean, I thought I was a righteous man, but I was full of hatred. Uh, even really hate uh, uh, every betrayers, of course, uh, uh, during uh, the 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 confession time. And uh, I just felt I was struggling uh, to have a, uh, have a real life. And um, then uh, when I experienced the, the, the brutal betrayal by those you entrusted and uh, you really, you felt uh, you, you have changed them through your own personality and they turn on against you. And uh, so that also, really make me full of uh, kind of uh, despair and disappointment. Uh, that's how when I, uh, that, that was the time when I got hold of a, a pastor's biography who heard the gospel uh, from a British uh, missionary, you know, Hudson Taylor in 1900 time, uh, the China Inland Mission uh, went to China and, uh, during the uh, Opium War time uh, and uh, the, uh, that uh, Chinese intellectual was uh, struggling and dying out of uh, opium addiction. And after heard the gospel, accept Christ as his savior and Lord, he became a new creation. So that was uh, so fascinating. I mean, basically it was still, uh, I read that book, it was smuggled in by my American missionary teachers. 
uh, perhaps perhaps from Hong Kong. And he uh, basically that one biography basically changed my life. I really read that story and uh, you know see uh, that uh, guy who was uh, uh, intellectual but was struggling, dying like uh, what I was uh, struggling. Uh, at the same time, uh, he professed that uh, you know if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, the old has gone. The new has come. So it's not only just a, a, a surface change, a pure like Chairman Mo asked for to do some good deeds or learn from some communist heroes and you failed, you had some you know, changes and became a follower of communism and uh, a moralist, then your heart is still dark. Your heart is still filled with the sins, filled with depravities, with hatred. And uh, so that's uh, the, the turning point for me uh, to question like, who am I could uh, change the others with, even if I became uh, a prime minister of China, uh, yeah. what good I could do if my hearts are full of darkness and uh, how could I have a fundamental change without the, uh, I mean, the creator, the redeemer himself. So that's how I became uh, a follower of Christ. Uh, I, and I feel, you know, uh, first you need to have an inside out change. Your, mm -hmm. your life has to have a, the true light uh, in you. And then, of course, you uh, start uh, to uh, advocate, to demonstrate that love and justice and to uh, have from uh, the individual to societal change. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of my journey, and that's why yeah. after I became Christian, I still engage with the social justice and uh, the uh, liberty, you know, freedom for all issues. Yeah. So um, what, one kind of point you, you, you passed over, I'm just curious to drill in on, is, is the political identification issues. Um, it, it sounded like you were saying that you still, beforehand, you still believed in communism in some sense but you yeah. you did okay and would that have been true for a lot of the student leaders in, at Tiananmen Square that they that they you know they didn't they didn't like the repression and they wanted democracy but they also in a sense believed in aspects of a communist system oh absolutely if you survey those uh uh we call the Tiananmen generation leaders uh, yeah. that uh later on quite a few I mean even uh quite a few who were on the most wanted list had become Christians. They experienced the similar uh, kind of a spiritual journey. Uh, that is, so uh, we, I mean, the students leaders from Beijing to the other cities uh, like uh, me, we initially, uh, uh, the motivation to have the Tiananmen demonstration uh, was really try to uh, join the communist party to change the party uh, for good, and uh, mm -hmm. we, we still, in some sense, uh, believe uh, the so-called people's government. Uh, and uh, but when the so-called people's government sent its uh, people's so-called people's liberation army start massacring, you know, thousands of uh, innocent people, uh, that's how I think the spiritual, I mean, the wake-up call finally mm -hmm. came, and uh, with the total disappear and uh, di I mean really uh, disappointment 
uh, with the system, uh, the, the Communist Party ideology. And, uh, and, and I think those of us who become uh, Christians uh, had a real transformation of uh, understanding that, uh, you know, beyond the government or political system, uh, the transcendental, you know, God uh, has to be uh, reverent uh, and worshiped first. Otherwise, uh, any political system uh, will become a utopia uh, and uh, will be manipulated and exploited um, by, by the same kind of uh, uh, fellow humanity, human beings. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, no matter how much checks and balance you have. I mean, look what happened in Canada, in United States during the COVID, right? I mean, so everything uh, I think uh, has been disciplined vividly. Uh, every human being has a little dictator inside. Mm. The transformation of God is not there. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting reflection. The 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 tendency towards wanting to take and and use power. Um, we we could spend a lot of time talking about that in the in the North American context. Um, I, I want to just drill down now on another another point in your in your bio. You talked about this point at which you were teaching people within the Communist Party. Uh, English, while well, at the same time working as a as an underground pastor, um, it, you know, and, and people listening may not all totally understand the structure. You know, basically, some proportion of society joins the party, and then there are these these party networks that sort of um, that act on their own, and and they kind of infuse all institutions. So you have institutions, you know, like in Canada, we have courts, parliament. Um, civil society business well in china the party seeks to to control all these facially separate institutions through the party so um but but you you would have then it's interesting you would have been then having access to to senior senior people within the party and uh did you have to become a party member yourself in order to do that and and what were your interactions with uh with party members like uh at that level yeah it was a really a god's humor uh i was um uh, fortunate uh, not um, joining the Communist Party in the end. I was promoted uh, already uh, the year before the Tiananmen Massacre as a pre, like preparatory, pre preparatory member of the Communist Party, like one step uh, become a Communist Party member. And, uh, and then this Tiananmen uh, students movement started, of course, I was disqualified uh, uh, as I told those Communist Party uh, uh, teachers, uh, my faculty uh, uh, kind of uh, colleagues in the Communist Party school, uh, I was uh, only one of the two non-party members teaching the Communist Party uh, school. Uh, and um, uh, so that's why uh, I think the Wall Street Journal calls me God's double agent. <laughs> and, uh, mm. That's the title of my memoir published by Baker. Uh, and uh, uh, it was, uh, uh, I mean, at the same time, I kind of, uh, during my teaching career uh, in the Communist Party school, I had first uh, uh, had an encounter with those Communist Party leaders who were my students. And uh, I could see, I mean, their heart uh, is also very, very much uh, empathy at the same time. Uh, uh, they were the power, you know, the absolute control of the people 
was uh, their uh, uh, their absolute goal. I mean, it's uh, uh, everything Communist Party uh, is taking, uh, you know, the policy, the uh, steps in Xinjiang, you know, the, the concentration camps has to go through that length. Uh, that uh, land is basically is uh, absolute control, as a uh, uh, chairman, you know, dictator Xi Jinping has been repeatedly quoting Chairman Mao's said, uh, you know, uh, from east to west, from north to south, from peasants, farmers, uh, you know, the uh, workers and the intellectuals, uh, armies, uh, uh, businessmen, um, uh, everything, uh, the party has to control. Uh, so that is uh, in Chinese, everybody can memorize that it means Gong Nong Shang Xue Bing, Dong Xi Nan Bei Zhong, Dong Yao Guan Li Cheda. It's like party has to control everything from, mm. from every direction, from uh, every uh, professions of the society, every area. Um, so the, that's, that's why it's, uh, I mean, the, the religious uh, freedom uh, could not be tolerated by the Communist Party. And, and of course, they believe atheism as their ideology, as their almost religion. And uh, Marxism has to be in absolute sense. I mean, nowadays, after Xi Jinping took power, uh, I mean, it used to be like during the Hu Jintao and then uh, Jiang Zemin, you know, the, the uh, pre as president's time, um, there is some kind of uh, relatively uh, freedom. Uh, I mean, especially in the urban settings, uh, those uh, house churches uh, in the, the big cities like Beijing and Shanghai, uh, they were able to rent some uh, uh, work, uh, kind of office facilities to have some, you know, big gathering worship services at least tolerated occasionally also being cracked down. Um, but under Xi Jinping, I mean, even a cross on the rooftop of the church building in a Communist Party totally controlled so-called patriotic moment registered in the government are not tolerated. Thousands mm -hmm. of uh, crosses from the, were totally destroyed, burned out, you know, torn down. It was a called a dem forced demolition of cross campaign, uh, directly approved by President Xi Jinping himself. And now the guy who orchestrated that campaign, I mean, who led that campaign, Mr. Xia Bolong, is the head of Hong Kong affairs mm -hmm. in Hong Kong for the Hong Kong security, everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, now uh, it used to be tolerated for some like uh, family members of the house church to uh, worship at their own homes, as long as their number is like under 12 or, or you know, 10, uh, as long as no outsiders. And now every Sunday, I mean, you have the Communist Party security forces raided believers' homes and arrest their parents in front of the children and uh, even beat them up uh, uh, for a peaceful worship, quiet worship at their own homes. And now all the government uh, appointed uh, kind of uh, bishops, uh, clergymen, um, pastors, uh, uh, Islam moms, uh, I mean, imams and uh, the, the, the monks in the uh, Buddhist temples has to have a public uh, dedication ceremony 
to vow in front of the party's flag and Xi Jinping's portrait mm -hmm. to dedicate themselves to their absolute loyalty to the great leader Xi Jinping and uh, the Communist Party ideology. So how could they be, a, you know, be both like a true believer yeah. of Christ and, and, uh, and uh, then a partisan uh, a kind of a clergyman? Um, so yeah. that is the current situation. I mean, uh, so that's why I uh, said um, uh, the, in the past few years, uh, China has entered into the worst year uh, time of religious persecution since the Cultural Revolution time. Uh, I mean, you have millions of Chinese uh, Christian children uh, were forced to uh, basically renounce their faith for mm -hmm. the first time you know, since 1960s. Uh, and uh, they have to um, give up their faith in written form, uh, forced by public security, by uh, their uh, teachers, the principals. Um, so that's, uh, we have uh, Christians, I mean, even Chinese American pastor uh, received seven years imprisonment. Uh, you have uh, pastors start receiving sentence uh, being accused of uh, subversion of state power, like uh, almost like uh, the, 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 the similar crime the two Michaels uh, in, in yeah. Canada were, were, were accused. So this is uh, uh, the, the situation right now. Yeah. So let me just jump in there. There's this, this trajectory you're talking about, right? And I think it's important for people to, to understand that. And people who follow China are seeing this across the board, really, on in terms of the, you know, social credit system, increasing repression under, under Xi Jinping. Um, but I think it's, it's so important for people to understand the mechanism of this. And it's not the same mechanism that we saw in the past, right? Like in the past, it was when we associate with with extreme persecution, it was eradication, right? But what mm -hmm. you're describing now is it is the it is the substan substantive eradication, but externally the, the co-optation, right? It's it's saying, you know, okay, you can be a quote unquote pastor, you can be a quote unquote Christian, but you have to say, um, you have to say Xi Jinping comes first. And we've even heard stories about um you know, trying to, you know, publish new versions of the Bible, trying to get in and, and retool aspects of the doctrine, um, basically to, to keep the, um, keep the image there or keep the name there. And I, I recall this, you know, when I, when I went to, to China with their, our foreign affairs committee a few years ago, one of the communist party officials responded to my queries about human rights by saying, Oh, it's, we have religious freedom. My, my mother's a Christian. It's not a problem. Right. And, um, you know, I, and I, I know more now than I did then in terms of how to drill down on that, but am I describing this right? Where you have this, this kind of effort to, um, to say, Oh yeah, it's totally fine. We have, you, you can be a, 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 a Buddhist, you can be a, a Christian, you can be a Muslim, but you, but, but actually, it's it's uh, trying to change the meaning of these things from the inside out. Oh, you're absolutely right on, on the characterization. I mean, uh, on the nature of the this uh, Communist Party's religious policy. I mean, uh, by the way, I heard this uh, mother uh, it's a Christian, you know, uh, version uh, 
a lot of times, maybe you are being handled by the same handler. <laughs> the guy happened to be something, maybe it's a fake mother Christian as a propaganda tool. Yeah. But, so Xi Jinping gave a new term called a synthesization. I mean, literally, it means more Chinese, basically synthesize every religion. You know, Buddhism have to be synthesized. Christianity has to be synthesized. Uh, Taoism has to be synthesized. Which it means it meant it's not really looked like Chinese to make religion compatible with Chinese with Chinese culture. Actually, it means to make religion compatible with communism ideology. And you have these Buddhist monks. Uh, I mean, and the Christian. I mean, the so-called patriotic church. You know, Christians. Uh, during their uh, Sunday uh, worship, the first item is to sing the Communist Party's national anthem. I mean, uh, and uh, then they have the Chairman Mao, Chairman Xi's portrait has to be lifted on both sides of the cross. And uh, some uh, religious uh, uh, affairs bureau, a United Front Work Department official inspect some of the patriotic church sites and they no, took notice and uh, about the Ten Commandments on the wall of the church and said, uh, point to one commandment, said President Xi Jinping would not agree with this. And the, um, <laughs> you know, the, the next day, the Ten Commandments became none and the mm. first commandment was, uh, was being removed from the mm. wall. I mean, this is how, I mean, yeah. how God is being perceived as a threat I think uh, because exactly Xi Jinping wants to be replaced as a god uh, in mm. some in that sense yeah, because he wants to be uh, you, you know protected at least to perceive yeah. as the utmost uh, final authority of everybody's life. That's that's a fascinating story to me because it it, it almost exactly parallels a, a scene in Animal Farm, right? The famous George Orwell yeah, novel that, where they have the the commandments on the barn wall and then in the middle of the night people go and kind of paint in extra words or cross things out uh um you know that this is uh it is um, in in terms of in terms of the the, the patriotic so-called church right so there's the the underground church that you were a part of and there's the the official church that's often mm -hmm. called the patriotic church now is it fair to say that there are many genuine christians in the patriotic church, people who, who really sincerely believe, who are trying to do something good and struggling with the question of compromise. Um, how, how, do you, how do you view kind of the project they're involved in, which is, which is trying to get some of the message across while still trying to exist within this, this obviously oppressive political environment? I'm so glad that uh, you uh, are um, basically are so well versed about the, this uh, detailed distinction uh, between the leaders in the so-called uh, government-controlled patriotic moment churches versus the most of the believers. I mean, I think before Xi Jinping, uh, I would say, yeah, most of the believers uh, in that church, I would call them like uh, the true believers, but uh, 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 live in a uh, in captivity, like in, in Babylon, mm -hmm. uh, they were captured. But I mean, they were uh, some, you know, may not have a 
uh, may not be aware of the uh, location of the house church or you know um, some maybe just for purely uh, convenience of the location and uh, so chose to be there um, but now I mean the the believers or church uh, I mean the church leaders are totally sold out mm -hmm. so I mean no matter where they are or what kind of rank uh, they are hired government employees I mean the are as uh, fully corrupted as other co Communist Party officials. So don't uh, really count them, really. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, but, but, but many believers, I think now are facing a real uh, ultimate spiritual uh, a test, a choice. I mean, uh, do you have, you know, when, when you uh, dedicated your faith uh, first and foremost to that portrait of Xi Jinping, Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you really now read the first commandment? How do you read, you know, the head of the church in the book of Ephesians uh, is uh, Jesus Christ uh, alone uh, and uh, no, nothing else? Uh, so I think uh, that uh, that is a major struggle for many believers in the government uh, sanctioned church uh, now. And that's why there is a huge, huge, I would say, Maybe half of the government-sanctioned church members had lost. I mean, they they ex, uh, had a huge exodus uh, from the government-sanctioned church, and mm. many believers just left. Uh, I mean, they uh, either organized their own house church uh, or basically, you know, chose to join other house churches. Um, so I have uh, uh, encountered with many, many, uh, even the government uh, church leaders who fed who were fed up and left and some even were captured and some are still serving, you know, 12, uh, 14 years imprisonment wow. for uh, refusing to take down the ch church cross from their building. Hmm. I mean, right now they're doing, they're serving in prison for that. So um, I think uh, you're really right uh, by making that distinction. Mm -hmm. So uh, this, in, in, in the Protestant world, you know, it's it's clear you've got the you've got there's the the official churches that the government controls fully, and then you've got the the underground church. In the Catholic world, it was always more complicated, right? And um, you know, because we, we we have Catholics as Catholics have this idea of of a sort of a, a structurally unified church under under the direction of the Pope, and this is obviously in particular kind of anathema to the Chinese government idea of. Um, of, of everything being under Xi Jinping, but there's been this complicated maneuvering. And now there's this, this deal that was made between the, the Pope and the government of China, one that actually a lot of, a lot of Catholics have been very critical of, including Cardinal, Cardinal uh, Zen, who's, who's going on trial. Um, and I know, you know, you're, you're, um, you're not in the Catholic uh, community, but I, I wonder if you can just reflect a little bit on the particular dynamics within the Catholic Church around this deal. Are there are there underground Catholic churches, or were there, and how does this all play out now with this uh, this deal? Yes, I think I mean I'm very familiar, of course, also being in communication with some uh, Catholic church leaders in China. And uh, I think, uh, I mean, that uh, at the end of the day is uh, the Lordship of Christ, right? And um, so before this uh, secret deal reached uh, by the Vatican and the Communist Party uh, to 
naively uh, uh, assuming Communist Party will uh, honor uh, that deal uh, by giving the church uh, a sense of the independence. Uh, and uh, every uh, facts, every stories uh, has shown uh, otherwise. I mean, you have seen, I mean, we have reported uh, just uh, documented in the uh, past uh, one month, I mean, in one uh, diocese in uh, Baoding district in uh, Hebei province, right next to Beijing, and uh, over 10, uh, I mean, clergymen in, in the Catholic church were being kidnapped, missing, and still could not be found. Uh, so uh, the, um, the, uh, now the Catholic church, those who are uh, kind of uh, not uh, in agreement uh, with this uh, secret deal uh, has to really uh, organize in a sense another set of uh, underground church in order to dedicate their uh, faith really uh, to the uh, authentic Christianity uh, of the Bible. So I think uh, that is a major struggle. Uh, it's really uh, embarrassing. I think uh, uh, how could Vatican, uh, you know, uh, keep that uh, good conscience and silent uh, when you face when those of their flocks, I mean, those believers and uh, uh, the bishops, uh, their uh, the father, I mean, the priest are being incarcerated and being missing and uh, kidnapped. Um, and you're still holding that secret deal and renewed one more time. And uh, so I can't understand except, uh, you know, thinking this must be a great uh, political compromise. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I'm like uh, our mutual friend, you know, Ben Rogers, right, uh, you know, mm -hmm. has been very adamant on that. I mean, you mm -hmm. have Jamie Lay, you have uh, uh, the, uh, of course, uh, Cardinal Zen. I mean, they are good, very dedicated uh, uh, Catholics, I mean, believers. And now they're all being tried, imprisoned and arbitrarily. Uh, and, uh, the, uh, and also uh, even the um, great uh, founder of the uh, Hong Kong, Democratic Party, uh, Martin Lee, right? I mean, uh, I think you uh, must have met or, or I mean, uh, know yeah. each other well. Um, they are all now being persecuted. Um, yeah. So how could we, yeah, uh, continue business as usual with the Communist Party? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I guess one jumping off point for me is uh, my, my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor, as our, our listeners will know, and wow. I studied, I've studied a lot of kind of the the challenges the church faced in in Europe during that era and subsequent communist era and um, I mean there's the example of John Paul II and you know at the end of end of communism who was a, who was a great vocal opponent of of communist repression but I think the challenge for for faith leaders similar to the challenge for political leaders can often be calc getting into calculations about what what is going to lead to worse outcomes and uh i think you know some people have criticized the pope during the second world war for not being more vocal against nazi atrocities at the same time um you know in instances where leaders were vocal there were very stiff reprisals further reprisals against members of that community so uh, you know i'm not i'm not defending it i i've been i've been critical of the deal as well but i um, I mean, do you, 
do you get into these conversations with people and in, in, in about you know what what's the compromise and what's what's gonna you know it might it might not be you know that when you when you have a, a a state church or deals like this or or even for us as political leaders dealing dealing with with China I mean um, how can we make the situation better or worse and and uh, and and is there is there a need for some degree of if you like compromise to try to minimize the negative effects. Well, I mean, I, the Vatican's, of course, uh, their at least official position for this, uh, uh, I mean, defending their uh, secret deal with the Communist Party is try to uh, have all the church uh, become above the ground church, no more underground church. Well, not under the Chinese communism, I mean, the dictatorship uh, and actually increasingly uh, tyrannical rule. I mean, if you uh, have, a, you know, a real uh, leader for reform, even within the Communist Party, like Gorbachev, I mean, you can still, I think, uh, negotiate. But this uh, uh, Communist Party of China, I mean, the, and led by this uh, dictator Xi Jinping, has no interest to really compromise. So they just want to exploit. Uh, this deal for their own advantage. I mean, look, you 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 have seen. I mean, uh, does that the, uh, after two or three years of the secret deal, is the Catholic Church in China now a one above the ground church? Well, I mean, the, even the Communist Party's religious policy, all their uh, on paper, uh, say that. Uh, well, you know, the, the the Catholic Church leaders. I mean, has to be. Uh, loyal to the Communist Party first. I mean, this is on paper. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not only. I mean, also of course on practice. And where are those being? I mean, you know, missing uh, believers and the clergymen uh, of the Catholic Church. Uh, so yeah. couldn't be the Vatican send somebody or at least listen to some of the believers' voice. Uh, and bef I mean, now uh, after making this decision, so I think. Uh, spiritually, it is a, a betrayal. I mean, I, you know, I would not hesitate to say that mm -hmm. to those uh, martyrs, those who are still in the Communist Party prison for their faith uh, for the Catholic Church. And um, politically, it was, uh, you know, the minimum, uh, I would call it naive, but it's, uh, it's uh, really uh, hard. Uh, I mean, it's a compromise, uh, too much compromise. I think uh, it's just uh, so unbelievable. Yeah. So, so let's shift now. I, you, you, you've come to the United States, live, living and working in the United States. I, I want to ask you two questions about kind of being in the United States in comparison to, to what's happening in China. Uh, number one, how, do you think that, um, that North American Christians are plugged in with what's happening in China or what ha what's happened happens around the world and and need to be to be more so my, my sense is that there isn't as much of a natural awareness about international kind of international affairs and, and modern day persecution so that's my first question then my second question is is just um there's there's growing concern about how um the very necessary criticism of of the government of china might be contributing to um 
uh, you know, challenges that are faced by uh, by by Chinese and other Asian origin people living in uh, the United States and other other Western societies that people don't make the distinction between government and individual. And um, so curious as well for your reflections on on anti-Asian racism and um, and and how to talk about the issues, the issues we're talking about, while also uh, while also recognizing the risks of of uh, um, the, yeah, the, the, the potential implications for people in our own societies. Well, I mean, I could see this. Um, basically, the um, political appeasement uh, coupled with the economic interest in North America, you know, the context uh, has uh, paid a heavy price uh, for in the past uh, really 30 years. I mean, we have seen, of course, uh, both the the jobs in Canada and the Americans has been shifted to, to, to China and uh, exchanged with some made in China garbage uh, stuff. I think uh, uh, and then you nurture the Communist Party uh, as a, a, such a bigger, stronger tiger, uh, too big to control now. I mean, now the uh, turn against us, I mean, uh, just look at the, you know, uh, before the two Mike, uh, Michaels were released, uh, every day I was praying for them. I was thinking, you know, what the, you know, Canadian government, uh, you know, uh, and the, the, the business community, of course, now, uh, secondly, we're reflecting uh, how Christians should reflect on that. I think Christians will follow the flow. I mean, and uh, maybe some uh, part of the uh, Christian population paid more attention on the persecution under CCP. Uh, some were not. Um, but I, uh, myself, after living in the U.S. for the past 25 years, uh, seeing some gradual kind of uh, uh, increase of awareness. I remember some 20 some years ago when I first invited uh, by uh, our partner organization, Voice of the Martyrs Canada, uh, to speak in different churches in Edmonton, you know, in uh, Vancouver, in uh, Toronto, in uh, different uh, settings. Really, the attendance were pretty scarce. Um, not many uh, turned uh, out. And now, I mean, a few years ago, at least, uh, I see there is a, a increase. There is a, a change. In the U.S., it's the same. I think there is a wake-up call, and I think especially the uh, three years of uh, CCP virus time, you know, uh, I mean, I think uh, everyone's life is being impacted, right? Mm -hmm. You have no excuse for not knowing the origin of this uh, virus came from Wuhan. And the Communist Party engaged a deliberate cover up and at least if not uh, intentionally, uh, I mean, uh, caused the uh, huge, huge damage to our lives. America has just uh, uh, touched the one million lives, you know, lost uh, milestone. And uh, it's just, uh, uh, so how could we not be aware of the evil uh, nature of this uh, uh, Communist Party? And um, at the same time, of course, you know, we, 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 have, uh, we, we, we have to separate the, what the, the Communist Party is uh, versus the Chinese people. So, mm -hmm. I mean, as you are the uh, chairman, co-chair of the inter-parliamentary uh, uh, alliance, right? I mean, know of where, I mean, this is, uh, I think, uh, should be a great distinction. Uh, well, whoever uh, is uh, in, in power in Canada, the U.S., 
that uh, what we are calling out uh, the atrocities, you know, the uh, concentration camps in Xinjiang uh, is really uh, caused by the Communist Party and its leadership. Um, it's not by the vast uh, Chinese people. So uh, that's why, you know, we shouldn't uh, hold, you know, the Chinese ethnicity as a kind of racial issue. That's, mm -hmm. that's my kind of uh, uh, argument and defense. Um, and I myself, you know, I, I live in Texas and we, I uh, certainly have not, uh, myself not experienced any Asian uh, like hatred or you know any attacks against me, and uh, I actually uh, felt uh, my uh, Chinese uh, uh, kind of uh, people here are, are kind of uh, uh, are, are too uh, racially insensitive uh, when they call the blacks, you know, when they call the Mexicans use some slurs. I I felt that actually is more damaging. Okay. Than you know, other things. Uh, so that's my take. Yeah. Interesting. I, 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 I can't say from a Canadian context that there, there is a lot of concern. I, I there, there have been certain instances of, of, uh, of violence that have been reported. And um, I, I know that in the aftermath of COVID, uh, especially uh, there were, there appeared to be a significant increase in those kinds of, of, uh, of of of, uh, of hate crimes so um so you know obviously you made you made the distinction that's an important distinction and we we always we always try to try to make it um but it also seems to me it does it does a great disservice to the people of of uh of china to ignore their struggle and their persecution um that we can we can articulate a defense of of their human rights in a way that that holds the right people that is uh, that is uh, the CCP accountable for what's happening. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, the the Communist Party member in that sense should be thankful to all of us. We are, you know, really uh, helping China to realize freedom uh, is uh, really for their uh, own uh, safety and advantage uh, uh, too, because uh, you have seen. Those uh, even like uh, sit, uh, sitting next to Xi Jinping, uh, tomorrow uh, they could be gone, be uh, Shuanggui, you know, be being under the so-called party disciplinary measure, being kidnapped, missing legally, uh, uh, you know, arbitrarily, and their family member could be arrested anytime. And uh, you have seen like the uh, the whole uh, party military commission, all the members under surrounding. The, uh, the past uh, uh, administration, uh, Hu Jintao's time, uh, every one of them except uh, Hu Jintao himself has been either uh, forced to kill themselves or, 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 or be sentenced to uh, death or life in prison. Uh, the family members, I mean, everyone uh, is, uh, uh, is gone. I mean, uh, so, so to... to to, to have a, a rule by man society uh, without a, 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 um, a rule of law and, and a legal uh, and constitutional guarantee without mm -hmm. freedom, oppress, uh, so no one is safe. Um, hmm. So uh, I, I would think come, you know, Xi Jinping himself should th think harder. Uh, if he pushes further, 
and um, look at uh, what uh, the first Chinese president Liu Shaoqi's uh, destiny, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he was uh, tortured to death and without even being allowed to have a name, his true name on his urn, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, in the funeral home. So that is, uh, do, does he want to go that route? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to remember the the origin of this line. Uh, eventually, the show trial comes for you, right? That's uh, right. That's uh, and I think this is something that 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 senior officials in authoritarian regimes know. And this is this is why we we often see people trying to move money and family members outside of the country so they have their uh, you know their their parachute lined up. Um, Bob, yeah. I, I, I wonder if you can just reflect a bit on this. Is this has been a great conversation, and and thank you so much for um, everything that you do to bring bring these issues to light. And it's it's so incredible hearing your your story. Um, could you reflect a bit on what you think the future of China is going to look like? Um, you, we have this kind of hardening hardening under Xi Jinping, and you you kind of wonder is this is this the darkness before the dawn, or is this uh, is this sort of going to be part of a part of a new new path going forward? I guess when I think about the future of China, the whole question of demographics really uh, seems to me to be an important one. The history of the one-child policy, the fact that um, uh, you know there's there's some immigration, but but China's not an immigrant society in the same way that uh, that say the United States or Canada are, um, and it's hard to imagine sustaining the levels of economic growth um, in any event, but especially with declining demographics. So what is that going to mean politically, you know, not, not in the next six months, but in the next 10 to 20 years. So, so what do you, what do you think, what do you think is coming down the pipe in terms of the future from a religious freedom perspective, but also more generally? Yeah, I mean, when uh, Xi Jinping uh, finally maneuvered to remove the term limit of the Chinese presidency, right, from the constitution, and, uh, you know, many people call him president for life. Uh, well, I mean, he, uh, first of all, need to uh, read Psalm uh, 90, right? And uh, what Moses said, <laughs> how long can you live, right? Yeah. 90 years old, uh, maybe now with modern medicine, or sadly, Maybe the organ uh, harvesting transplant, transplantation, he can live a little longer, but I mean, he will die. I mean, he, he can't be there uh, for, uh, you know, long, I think. Uh, and um, number two, uh, just to look at uh, what's happening to his, uh, uh, you know, predecessors, you know, to Termer all to Lin Biao, to Liu Shaoqi, to uh, Termer Mao's wife, right? I mean, all these, uh, like uh, the Bible said, a viper, you know, uh, and uh, uh, so I, I think um, the, the, the current darkness uh, reflect a, a tremendous, uh, an, I think, in a sense of uh, um, short-sighted uh, naivety, maybe, uh, uh, originated by a kind of a, a, a communism zeal uh, to learn from uh, King Jong-un's model, uh, and and uh, I think uh, it will feel uh, feel miserably. Uh, we can just uh, say, see that very sure. Uh, I I don't think uh, it is uh, uh, just uh, uh, the darkness before really the 
the, the dawn. I, I think um, we are, uh, in terms of uh, the future uh, holding for China, I'm still very uh, uh, optimistic. Of course, as Christians, we are uh, always uh, on that because we know who is in charge of history and uh, we know the uh, end story. And uh, I think uh, I wrote my uh, PhD dissertation uh, on this topic uh, on the, I call it uh, uh, principled, uh, I call it inclusive pluralism, uh, providing a roadmap uh, kind of um, uh, for a future uh, uh, post-communist uh, democratic uh, uh, pluralistic Christianized China because many historians have predicted in 20, 30 years, China will become a Christianized nation, which means about 20, some 30% uh, of the population out of that 1.3 billion people uh, will become Christians. And um, so how can we as Christians uh, um, basically keep the religious freedom for all faiths, non-faiths, even atheists, uh, at the same time, uh, we are not repeating uh, the uh, same mistakes of, uh, you know, some uh, Western countries. Um, so so um, that's kind of my little contribution to send to Xi Jinping. <laughs> I yeah. hope he read it. Uh, but I, I, I feel um, China uh, eventually, uh, that is the hope. I mean, the, the house church, believers, uh, according to Purdue University, uh, the, the uh, projected, uh, uh, I mean, they actually concluded after extensive survey, uh, the number of Christians in China has already reached to between 100 to 130 million mm -hmm. uh, now. So the forecast projected by 2030, so really not too far yeah. away, uh, the number will reach to at least 224 million mm -hmm. uh, uh, by that time. So I think it's not a, you know, we should, we, yes, it's very dark right now. And uh, those of you uh, of ours, maybe, you know, you are in the uh, political engagement on the policy making field. I'm in a civil society field. Uh, we should uh, do uh, everything we can uh, to continue our fight, uh, to speak up, to uh, stand in solidarity, um, uh, to uh, help those who are persecuted by, you know, individually and collectively. Uh, at the same time, uh, we shouldn't uh, lose heart. I still feel uh, a very optimistic future uh, for China. I mean, if China becomes a democracy, it's not a bless, only a blessing to the 1.3 billion people in China, but really it's the gospel for the whole world, right? I mean, uh, so I think uh, that will be the, 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 the best mm -hmm. uh, we can all work for. Why, why is there such growth of Christianity still in spite of such, such persecution? Um, there, there are there are spiritual explanations to it. I suppose you know the the uh, the as a Tertullian who said the uh, the blood of the martyrs is the is the seed of the church. But but I mean in a, in a more sort of um, temporal sense, from your observations, I mean how how is it that in spite of the repressions, there is there is this growth happening or right, that has happened clearly over over decades. Uh, 
Well, I think uh, there, I mean, besides the spiritual reason you mentioned uh, that there politically, of course, uh, the uh, Communist Party, uh, in that sense, we should thank the Communist Party. I mean, in the, in the, in the, in a supernatural, like a uh, providential sense, not thanking for their persecution, but in a sense, uh, the Communist Party uh, kind of uh, successfully destroyed every other alternatives uh, oh. for Chinese citizens uh, because they are so uh, crazily enhancing, informing, I mean, kind of uh, uh, indoctrinating the communism as the only right ideology. And unfortunately, the practice of communism are not meeting with what they preached. So people mm-hmm. are pretty much a disillusioned. I mean, that's why, uh, you know, even during the, in the, from the 1980s, the first wave of so-called Christianity fervor uh, among the Chinese intellectuals, their cultural Christian phenomena, many key uh, cultural uh, leaders uh, in the society had basically uh, chose to embrace Christian values. Uh, you know, and uh, that always all all the way late to the Tiananmen massacre time. Of course, the Communist Party revealed its true teeth, uh, and then uh, the the uh, the the Chinese the the Tiananmen generation sees that as a uh, well as you know we that we couldn't really trust uh, anything this uh, uh, Communist Party uh, and their political system. And so they look uh, uh, up uh, to heaven, basically, and uh, in a sense, find God or God found them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, exploring, of course, uh, the source, the fundamental source of uh, true human dignity, human rights protection and freedom. I mean, they all goes and trace back uh, to their faith foundation, right? I mean, faith, freedom, uh, and uh, uh, we, we have seen the triangle uh, and basically and, and, and family or, you know, um, they are, they're inseparated. So, the, 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 so the, the, uh, I have even met with some Chinese scholars. They were sent here to study about uh, U.S. Constitution. And the more they studied, the more, the deeper they uh, find uh, actually is uh, is backed by the faith so Mm. so some became christian by studying the american constitution some chinese uh, human rights lawyers a big wave of them have become christian uh because uh the uh see the justice uh, true justice cannot be found really on the later uh, letter of the law so they uh, they found the extraordinary almost to them are like uh the supernatural power uh, demonstrated uh, in this belief, persecuted believer and leaders uh, of faith. Uh, I mean, they're, they're kind of a, a body and heart uh, displayed in the court uh, when those church leaders, you know, kind of uh, uh, boldly stand up and to the court judges and uh, showing uh, their testimony and revealing their scars and uh, like a, uh, Richard Rumbrecht, you know, uh, from Romania did. Uh, so I think uh, that has a, a major, major impact. Uh, and also Christian faith is a very uh, loving and forgiving faith. Uh, so that's why some Communist Party members 
are fascinated because, mm. because Communist Party always teach patriot, class mm. struggle, you know, uh, against the landlords, against uh, the capitalists, against everything, and uh, to cause hatred and fight uh, among different groups. Uh, but uh, when you get into the church and even they are praying for their persecutors, mm-hmm. they're loving you know, uh, showing their love uh, to those uh, who uh, tortured them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they could not help but need to uh, finding the true source is from God, a God of love and God of forgiveness. And uh, of course, uh, the God of uh, 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 transformation and uh, resurrection. So I think that all the reasons uh, combined uh, and some um, charismatic Church leaders told me there's another reason. It's God's uh, healings. Uh, I mean, that is, I also, I witness uh, the healings, miracles uh, showing. Um, remember China, uh, you know, has uh, very little uh, s- medical care, you know, for the, especially farmers. Um, so maybe God uh, in many countryside, uh, the, the, when, those believers come to Christ, their sickness was healed and mm. uh, uh, blind became, uh, uh, you know, open uh, their eyes and uh, disabled or healed. So that's uh, also uh, demonstrate the power of the gospel and uh, another way have the revival. So that, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of reasons. Well, th- thank, thank you for sharing all that. And I think um, we, this is, this is a, a real powerful, uh, I think, Point, point to end on. So let me let me make a couple wrap-up comments from my end and then turn it back over to you if there's anything else uh, you want to add. And, and we'll have listeners who come from a variety of different faith backgrounds and, and with, with different sort of uh, per perspectives. I think for those who, who share the faith that you, you feel very strongly and are sharing, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll draw certain things from this and they'll want to pray in response to it. I'm sure. I think for those who, um, who don't have any kind of a a faith perspective or have a different one, um, it will just be interesting for them to see and reflect on the way that spiritual or religious values can have political implications. And, um, what struck me when I was in China in dialogue with Chinese leaders was, was this kind of um, materialism that is this, this Marxist materialism, because even ideas like human rights, right? We, they're, they're, uh, human rights is the idea of, of uh, some transcendental value to the human person, which is in a sense a spiritual idea, right? It doesn't mean people necessarily get it from conventional religion, but the, the idea of human rights is, is a non-material concept. And That's so right. when we were raising issues of human rights with, uh, with Chinese communist leaders, their immediate response was to go to the material and to say, well, look, we've, we've seen economic growth and we've seen increase in production and, and any, anybody religious or not from, from, from Canada, I think would, would say, no, that's not, that's not what human rights is about, is about something so much deeper than prosperity. It's, it's about the immutable dignity of the person. It's about, um, it's about, um, you know, like religious freedom doesn't mean you're you, you, you're religious, but it means you 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 have the freedom to look up into the sky and ask the big question on your own without someone telling you how you have to think. But they their their frame of reference was um, was was this Marxist materialist frame, which is mm-hmm. which is 
so different from the sort of presumed one in our culture, but it's also very, to me, it's, it's very alien to China's traditions, right? Historically, mm-hmm. Confucianism ha- has this sense of, of higher purpose and meaning as well. So, so the, I guess the point, the point I'm making is, is, uh, you know, for, even for those who don't um, share the religious convictions you have, I, I hope it, it's coming across that just the, these questions of, of people's, religious beliefs they they relate to the sense of of they have they relate to politics in um you know both ways and 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 we see how with the communist system the materialism is is kind of links up a whole bunch of different things so so it's been it's been so great chatting with you and and i wonder if if you have any any final thoughts or last words here and and then we'll uh we'll wrap up well thank you garnet for having me uh it's just uh very joyful, uh, I mean, of course, a very um, deep uh, discussion. Um, uh, for the past 25 years, and I mean, again, uh, the Ministry of China Aid, uh, we, uh, that's our organization, maybe I should do a little advertisement, yeah. ChinaAid.org, that's where we're uh, international NGO based in the US to promote advanced religious freedom and rule of law in China by uh, exposing the abuses of the persecution, encouraging the abuse and equipping the leaders. So I think uh, together, uh, I think uh, every one of us uh, can make a difference by helping those who are persecuted. Uh, Praying for them is the first uh, step and then take prayerful action by working with the MPs like uh, Garnett and uh, I think uh, you uh, will see the difference. Uh, I mean, helping them. I mean, China Aid. We are sponsoring uh, right now eight uh, refugees, Christian refugees who fled to Thailand from China to uh, to Vancouver. So mm-hmm. we having the the private sponsorship. Uh, we're thankfully the Canadian government having this program. The U.S. does not have. Mm-hmm. Um, so please pray for them uh, and uh, support them as well. So that's my final word. God bless you. Thank, thank you. And uh, we, we should do a podcast entirely on private private refugee sponsorship at some point, because it is such a great I, program. I, it's great in Canada and, and other countries should adopt it. But we can do better in Canada as well, because you, you're probably experiencing this as well. The, the backlogs are too long. And sometimes, yeah. you know, so so we've got to, we've got work to do there. Yeah, years. yeah, it's, yeah. it's too, it's, uh, it's, it's too long. Um, thank you, Bob. So great to chat with you. Folks who are listening, uh, we do this every week. Um, resuming debate is uh, is my podcast here. We talk about a broad range of issues, international issues, uh, uh, Canadian Canadian politics. Uh, uh, I have other parliamentarians on and, and experts from around the world with with uh, with interesting perspectives. So, uh, if you're just encountering this episode kind of on its own, um, I encourage you to find resuming debate wherever you get your podcasts and uh, and give it a follow, give it a a, a five star review and. Uh, you know, hopefully, if you've enjoyed this conversation, uh, you'll enjoy some of the other topics uh, we've covered in the past and we will be covering in the future. And I'll be back with another episode in seven days.